Good evening and welcome everyone to the sixth episode of Modern Life is Rubbish. Um, that was a very what seems like a very sombre start to uh, the podcast, but uh, if anybody who knows their onions, um, fucking onions, <laughs> anybody who knows their onions will know that that is the opening strains, or those are the opening strains of Linda Martin's Why Me, who won the um, Eurovision for Ireland in 1992. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a loose theme for this evening's podcast, is the Eurovision. Um, Eurovision was supposed to have been on Saturday night, but because of the COVID-19 coronavirus situation, um, yeah, there was no actual Eurovision on. So I think it was just like, I don't know what it was. Um, I, I sort of half watched it, but I was in the midst of getting completely blocked. Uh which was good crack, until I actually got completely blocked and had to had to get up off the sofa and go to bed because if I hadn't done that, I would have fallen off the edge of the earth because I was so fucking drunk. Um, uh, you know, footnote, please drink responsibly. Um, I drank irresponsibly on Saturday. I had a bottle of Grey Goose and... I, I all but drank the bottle of Grey Goose. It's, I, I drank three quarters of it, like, there's no doubt about it. Um, which is a very bougie way of getting drunk. But then again, I am a very bougie person. Uh, you wouldn't catch me drinking Glens and or Smyrnaf. Um, so I'm wee Grey Goose and soda, which is a fantastic drink. But house measures are just the worst thing ever. Uh, I was, like, it was neat. It was neat, let's face it. At the end of it all, it was neat. And do you know what? I loved it. I was sitting, I was watching Janet Jackson documentaries uh, on YouTube, on the TV. Um, and I was having a real good time. I'm quite a fan of Janet Jackson. And um, it, it made an interesting change to watch something like that instead of what I usually do when I'm drunk. And I was watching Reeling in the Years. And then I get all I get all whimsical. Not even whimsical. I get all... Um, poignant and teary and you know I think about how much I love Ireland and you know the futility of war and all that sort of stuff and yeah so yeah Janet Jackson Grey Goose died all day yesterday up and at it um Monday morning like an absolute trooper slash was still a wee bit dying um yeah so I because a few people had been hassling me and being like where's this podcast okay uh, I didn't really know what to talk about. I have, um, because of, um, obviously, we're still in a, a, not a nightmare situation, obviously, fucking hell, you know, the, the least uh, nightmarish aspect of this whole thing is me not being able to interview people in person. But it is, it is annoying. Like, um, I would love to sit down face to face with somebody and have a conversation, but that's not always possible. Um and it's not possible at the moment, so I'm trying to think ways around it. And the most effective way I can come around it is by getting uh, people to answer a couple of questions via the medium of WhatsApp um, voice notes. So it's like they're in the building, but they're actually not. So, um, yeah, I want to do a more regular feature, Um and it'll be like a room 101 
type situation. So talking about, because I love talking about shit that I hate. I hate everything. You know, I'm a, I'm a fairly upbeat and positive person, but good God, I hate a lot of things. Um, and I find it very difficult to um, to trim down in, into like three things what I hate the most. Um, but we all we all know the things that I hate. And it's all related to work. So I'm not going to go over them sort of ad nauseum. Um, and instead, I uh, threw a bone you know, to a friend of mine. And hopefully, if I play the voice notes, um, this little shite microphone that I bought in Argus um, will, will pick it up and it won't sound too horrific. So I am going to let my friend take it away. Hi, Leanne. Thanks very much for uh, inviting me to talk in your room 101. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, sadly, not as boyfriend and girlfriend, but I'm working on that, you know, because you know I love you and admire you deeply. But you've asked me to come on today and talk about the things I really hate. Three things that I really hate that I will put into room 101. Hi, Leanne. Whoops. So I played that twice there. Um, well done to Declan McChesney, my, my the great love of my life, who will never truly be mine because a, he's a man, b he's married, and c he's um, old enough to be my daddy, very much so. Um, Declan is uh, possibly one of the most misunderstood people in the Neary area. Um, he uh, brief brief sort of background he he owns a shoe shop a lady's shoe shop in, in Newry and which automatically um qualifies him as being a fruity sort of a boy uh, and that's probably how he'd be known but he's far from it um and I met Declan for the first time in oh I don't even know what year it was but it was, it was I'm gonna say let's throw throw it out there say 2005 so we've been chums now for for 15 years um whenever I was working in the bank one of the girls was heading on uh, off shift at three o'clock and she says to me here McCoy will you do my tables up there will you and I looked up and I saw him there and I was like oh I'm not serving him he's a tube and I was just go on go on serve him just all, all I need is um tea and coffee on the bill I was like right dead on fuck it she was like you can keep the tip so obviously happy days I was like right okay and um took their coffee order Made them what I have absolutely no doubt in this wide earthly world what were possibly the worst coffees ever because uh, coffee was a dirty word back then. Um, so I went up anyway and I, I went up with an, not with an attitude but I went up with a preconception and I thought right I'm going to do this and then get the fuck out of here. I was like your coffees, here you are. <laughs> and um, we had a bit of chat and I he, he must he probably said something smart I don't know what it was but I, I basically hit him on the nose with a newspaper metaphorically speaking and um and he, he rather liked that so um we had a bit of back and forth and a wee bit of banter and I was like oh that was that was that was a pleasant surprise and he did he left a handsome tip which I was fucking thrilled with because that meant cigarettes in Fitzpatrick's shop and a bottle of Exade and possibly a Snickers um so that was that was good. So that was that done. And then, uh, I don't know, sometime later, a couple of weeks later, maybe, I was walking down Hill Street past his very fancy uh, shoe shop. And he spotted me and he came out. He waved and he came out and we had a bit of crack at the front door. And away on I went. And that sort of just kept happening. And before you know it, we are 
fully fully fledged jumps. So um, uh, I have great time for, great respect for, and a great love for Declan McChesney. Uh, and that whole thing just goes to show you that you can't judge a book by its cover. And if you just have a crack with people, you can be pleasantly surprised. So given that he didn't do an introduction to himself, I had to do the introduction for him. Uh, so as much as I love him, he didn't fucking read the instructions. But anyway, uh, so let's let's delve into uh, his first 101. Well, Leanne, first thing that I really, really, really hate is litter. I just walk around and I see junk thrown everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. Roadsides, the pavement, oh, in parks, uh, up in the forest. And it drives me to distraction. I look, try to look inside the heads of the people who are doing this. And I just think, what sort of an animal just throws stuff behind them? I live about three miles from Strever on a back road. And quite often I go out with my litter picker. Yeah, I'm a curmudgeonly old man. And I uh, pick up litter. And I picked up in the past six months 200 tins of boost. And I'm telling you one thing, Leanne, if I find uh, the person who's dumping them, it won't be uh, Room 101 I'll get. It'll be McGabbery. But that's my first real hatred, the disgusting people who throw litter. When I came to live on the road I live on, my dear old neighbour said to me, Declan, you live a burger and chips from Friar Tucks in Warren Point, and that has proved to be right. Litter, I hate it. The second thing I really hate... No, stop talking, Declan. Stop talking. And, uh, stop talking. Stop talking. It will prove stop talking. to you stop to talking. many people. Right, this isn't going very well. This really I isn't going very well at all. Right, okay, we've stopped him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so litter. Uh, imagine imagine uh, an older gentleman not enjoying litter. <laughs> um, litter, I, yes, I'm, I'm with him on that. And I knew he was going to say a boost because he, d- he does, bless him, he, um, he does go on a wee litter pick. Whenever he's walking about um, on, the, on the back roads, which is the most hilarious use of the term back roads um, I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, he does. And he did indeed retrieve an absolute mass amount of boost. Now, I can't imagine Declan McChesney sitting, kicking back in the car with a wee tin of boost, a wee tin of citrus burst. Thanks, boost, by the way, for the thirst aid kit that he sent me. Um I just don't think it's his kind of drink. I would. I wouldn't even think that um, Red Bull, uh, Red Bull, would be uh, Declan's drink. So yeah, litter. I get it. Um, Monaghan Street, Duns Car Park, is the litter capital of Newry. Uh, which you can you can sort of tell that lockdown. Not that lockdown is easing, but that uh, more takeaways are opened because the litter has returned. There was a fairly um, blissful and blissful and utopian. Uh, vibe going on in the car park there for a while because there's no traffic wardens and there's no fucking dominoes boxes well that's what it pisses me off actually because it's not you can understand if it was fryer tux containers right that's fine because fryer tux is like up the street a wee bit which is great good stuff you know shop local litter local i am on board with that i don't mind that but don't fucking drive from you know to kfc and then take your kfc to Monaghan Street to eat it and fire it out the window. Same with Domino's, same with 
um, McDonald's. What's the point in that? If you're going to litter, at least litter, you know, on the doorstep of the place that you have bought from. You know? Um, yeah, so litter. That's a good one. That is a good one. Um, let's move on to the second one, which I almost inadvertently played there. The second thing I really hate, and uh, it will prove to you and to many people, your listeners, that I am nothing but a grumpy old man. But let me tell you about an experience I had. I have reached this wonderful sunset time in my life where I get free passage on buses. And uh, I've been very lucky, and I'm not being flash, but I haven't had to use public transport since I was basically living in Dublin and bombing around the place. So I got my bus pass. And I proceeded to march down and wait at the bus stop for the uh, bus to come along. Unbelievably, the bus driver didn't ask me had I borrowed it for the day and accepted that I was really old. That hurt. So I got on the bus and I sat there quite happily. And unbelievably, the bus stopped and picked up other people. Yes, other people got on the same bus as me. Oh, I hate that. There are people who are strangers to soap and water. And there are people who may have had too many pints of Guinness or a curry before, and they send out these little wafts up and down the bus. I thought my senior bus pass entitled me to be carried aloft, alone, and elevated on the bus, not with other people. Yeah, I hate Traveling on public transport. My third. Shut up! How do you stop this? Right. Okay, that's it done. Um. Right. So Declan does not enjoy public transport. I. <laughs> I think he gave a wee bit of insight into um, his, uh, maybe why people think that he is um, you know, a, a posh bastard. Uh, I can't imagine Declan McChesney on a bus, but I think uh, and also. Uh, that sort of, you know, gives away his age a wee bit. Um, because obviously if you, you are in possession of a bus pass, you are a certain age. Mm-hmm. Declan McChesney looks incredibly well for his age. And he does, he has a very, a particularly nice arse, fair play. Um, so yeah, he's he's not a big fan of public transport. I don't think he kind of gets the, uh, the concept of public transport in that it is open to the public. But yeah, I know, I know what he means. Um, my... Especially, especially roundabout, like you know, I know the sort of Ulster bus vibe that he's going for. At least when you're on the Enterprise or something, the gallery going to Belfast, you know, you have a, a broad mix of people who are commuting for work or um, maybe you know local tourists and not so local tourists uh, going going up or down for the day or whatever. But when you're coming from a village into a very small town, you will get a bundle of lunatics. Um, the forty four Newton Hamilton, very famously, well, not famously at all, just amongst ourselves, we we nicknamed it the Depressed Express, because you know most of the people on it were either heavily medicated, not medicated enough, or not medicated at all, and it made for a very um a very interesting spin in and out the road to Newry. But it was good crack all the same. It was good crack. I enjoyed it. 
um, possibly the other people who were on the bus with me did not enjoy it because um, myself and not just me, a couple of the other girls w- would have been in fine voice there at eight o'clock in the morning, usually singing like a medley of Westlife. Um, not a big fan of Westlife, but incredibly easy songs to sing. And, you know, you've got key changes, you've got, you know, you've got easy, easy to remember choruses and uh, the Vanga boys would have got a rip every now and again. So I suppose in a way I have to apologise to the other people who were on the bus going in and out of Newry back in the days that were subjected to basically what was, you know, pop hits of the early 2000s slash late 90s. Um, at such a ridiculous time in the morning. But fuck it. I enjoyed it. It was good crack. And you can't um you can't you can't beat those memories. Good good times. But sorry, Declan. It's just all I can say is it's a good job that you weren't um getting the bus in and out of Newtown fucking twenty years ago. So let's go for the third one. My third and most awful hatred is crap wine. I've worked very hard to uh, become someone who adores wine. I've done courses on it. I've studied it. I've visited wineries. I've done all that. And I do love it. I love my wine. But I cannot believe these people who come visiting and they bring a bottle of absolute rubbish junk wine. Um, It's an insult to everybody. Any house I go to, I select the wine I bring to what I would hope the people I'm visiting would love. Now, I have one very good friend in Restrever who very proudly brought a bottle of Black Tower, ironically, to my house for dinner one night. And I can tell you, I think that bottle of Black Tower is still circulating as a joke around the area. But Anybody who brings a cheap four ninety nine, five ninety nine bottle to somebody's house and think they're getting away with it, I advise you not to go and visit. Of all the things I hate most, the litter, the buses, no, no, cheap, crappy wine. Thanks, Leanne, for asking me on today. So there you go. <laughs> ah, further reinforce the stereotype. <laughs> That um, Declan's a posh bastard. Uh, a five ninety nine bottle of wine, I think, is perfectly acceptable for consumption. I, you know, I do enjoy a little Pinot Grigio, as we all know. Uh, when I'm not caning fucking grey goose at a rate of knots, uh, I do enjoy a wee a wee glass of uh, white. But um, you wouldn't get it. Well, I suppose you would get a bottle of wine for five ninety. You would surely, yeah. You'd get an Earl McGuigan's two for twelve. Um, again, please drink responsibly. Um, I always like at Christmas time. I would always buy Declan a bottle of wine, and I haven't. It's it it brings me out in a rash of anxiety because even though he has never confided his hatred of shit wine to me, I know that he takes his wine incredibly seriously. I don't. Um, I started drinking wine because it was an effective way to get pissed enough to enjoy a season of Sunday night. And um, after finishing work in the bank, maybe doing a 12 to 9 or 12 to 10 shift or something like that, everybody used to fucking like either have their clothes with them already or go home at the speed of light. 
in order to get change, get ready to go to Lacey's. And, you know, obviously you had to have your, what was essentially a carryout um, in the bank whilst you're waiting on the taxi and all. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to fucking do this right. And I started drinking. Um, it was actually a, a Shannon Blanc. Uh, a brown, brown brother Shannon Blanc was a la mode at the time. And I forced that stuff down me to get that um, buzz of anticipation to get up the road to start horsing into the vodkas in that there lacies. Um, so that's the reason I drink wine. Now, I don't mind it. I, I do like it now, kind of. Um, I've, I can't drink red. Just can't do it. The smell of red is enough for me. Um so yeah, I always break out in a in a sweat when it comes to Christmas time. So I just fucking I just buy him something dear. Do you know what I mean? You know, and dear for me, what, thirteen, fifteen in around that mark, which to be honest, by the sounds of that conversation there that he's having with himself, is actually still a shit bottle of wine. I don't know. Um but yeah. Fair enough. Thank you again, Declan, for contributing. Fairly irrational hatreds. Um, but you know what? everybody's different um what what are your hatreds please send them in um we'll be getting a few other people to do the room 101 thing as well um hopefully we get some some controversial stuff I do enjoy a bit of controversy um let me see uh what we, yes well, we're talking about eurovision very briefly i actually started as if it was going to be a eurovision podcast and then i fucking started talking about Declan mcchesney and how he gets public transport um, but, you know, there has to be a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, Eurovision. I, I actually said this earlier on. Does anybody want me to talk about Eurovision? And I got a message from Chris. Chris Hen 24 who loves the banter. Chris24 Hen, sorry. He said, not Eurovision. What's your problem? What is your problem with Eurovision? I never used to like it. I liked it back in the day whenever Ireland were cleaning up. Um, because it was like the only thing we were good at in the early to mid-90s, apart from shooting each other and bombing each other and bombing England, uh, which, when you think about it, it was quite magnanimous of England to give us decent points in the Eurovision. But anyway, um, yeah, I remember um, watching, I remember being so fucking excited like about watching Linda Martin winning in 92 with Why Me. Um, and then fucking the next year, boom, Neve Kavanagh, what about you? That wasn't the name of the song. Uh, it was In Your Eyes, which is a, a much superior um, ballad to Why Me, I think. Um, In Your Eyes is a, is a beautiful song. And she had a queer set of pipes on her, uh, Earl Kavanagh. And she was a redhead. So, you know, she had a lot of stuff going for her. Uh, and then fucking rock and roll kids happened the next year. I was just like, whoa, Ireland are unfucking beatable at the Eurovision. Clear the stage, lads. Um, and of course, because Johnny Logan had won twice before, um, Johnny, who is having some kind of a fucking celebrity beef with Dickie Rock at the minute, which I, I'm not even going to talk about because I, I'm not well enough versed in the whole thing to comment on it. Suffice to say, Johnny's a bit of a tit, I think. Um, and I, I thought he was wowie, so much so that I think he won in 1980 and then he won again in 1987. Um, and in 1987 was Hold Me Now, which is a beautiful song. Um, all joking aside, it is a really beautiful song. And he had the white suit and everything there. He was like, oh my God, Johnny Logan, he's got blue eyes, he's Irish, he's, he's so amazing. And I was up in the Carrickdale 
with my man and dad, obviously, because I was but a mere child. Um, there must have been a fit of going to the Carrickdale Spuds on Sunday. And I remember seeing in reception, possibly whenever I was hassling the receptionist, um, as a an incredibly young and self-aware little gay. Um, and there was this poster. Well, that's actually what I'm going to say now is, is pure contradicting that. Um, there was a poster of Johnny Logan because he must have been appearing in Lacey's or something or in the character deal, I don't know. I don't think there was a burnish suite in 1987. So anyway, Johnny Logan was coming to the character deal and there was this magnificent, probably an A3 poster, but it looked like a fucking billboard to me. And he was there, you know, it was like an action shot of him doing an arm grab and... And um, actually, I'm actually going to have a wee look here because I'm, I'm recording on on the, on the laptop so I can whip out the, the Spotify. Um, Hold on to a seat. So, oh, don't, don't close your heart to how you feel. Oh, it's giving, it's giving me chills. Um, so I was a, a wee bit of a fan of Johnny, and I asked the receptionist, right, like an absolute banker. I asked the receptionist, "Can I have that poster?" Which, when you look back on it now, was an absolutely ridiculous thing to say. Um. And I I just wanted it so badly and she wouldn't give it to me. And do you know what? She was right not to give it to me because then people wouldn't have known that Johnny Logan was going to be appearing at the character deal. Um, but I, I never forgot her for it. I was like, you absolute bitch. I want that to put up in my bedroom to cover my Care Bear wallpaper with a, a, a mass-produced poster of Johnny Logan. Um, so I always have a wee sort of lump in my throat whenever whenever I hear that song, for that reason. And because it's a taut, powerful um, ballad with a powerful key change in it. Um, yeah, so Ireland, when it comes to Eurovision, are fucking masters of it. But I, I have a theory, you see, because obviously the year that um, Rock and Roll Kids won, um, it, was, it was a massive, massive thing. And I mean, they really went all out. And if anything, Riverdance the interval act that eclipsed everything, um, it, it really just fucking thrust Ireland as a creative force into the stratosphere. Kind of talking some shit, damn it, but I actually believe it. I remember watching it, watching that um, that Eurovision with my cousin, Stephen, who I seem to mention quite a bit in these. Um, and, like, I was, what, what was that, 94? So I was about 12, 11, 12. And he's a couple of years older than me. So we were we were at the stage of of getting to be like cool and unimpressed by most things in the world. And we were watching it on like a 14-inch fucking television in Ballymire. And uh River Dance happened. Because you didn't know what was happening. You know, it was all like mystical and like and there was borons and all. I was like, Oh Jesus Christ, what's happening here? And I was like, Oh, these two hoors are coming out dancing. And I was like, Jesus Christ, there's a, there's another load of hoors dancing. Holy shit, there's two, there's a big load of line of hoors, and they're all dancing the exact same way, and thumping and tapped and oh, oh my god. And the two of us, whenever it was over, and there was that big climactic sort of crescendo, fucking da -da 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 -da. we were like, fucking hell. It made you want to run out, join some sort of Irish dancing thing. What do you call them? Irish dancing clubs? Do you, is it an Irish dancing club? I never did Irish dancing. Can you tell? Uh, but it made you want to go and fucking do Irish dancing. Um, because it was so awesome. 
But I think Ireland lost the run of itself then as a country and as a nation um, with Riverdance. And I think, to be honest, that the whole Eurovision thing contributed massively to Ireland having notions. And in turn, the Celtic Tiger kicking in and Ireland eventually, you know, having a massive nosedive. So it was basically hubris caused by getting fucking big notions because of Riverdance. Because everybody were like, oh my God, Ireland's fucking awesome. They're not just kicking the shit out of each other and getting drunk and chasing leprechauns and pots of gold. They're actually really good. And Michael Flatley was all over the world and Lord of the Dance and blah, 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 blah. blah. So Ireland became quite, quite um, modern and acceptable. <laughs> um and and they lost their own of themselves and that's what caused the recession in two thousand and eight. Was Eurovision. So there you go. Um yeah, so I'm I'm gonna take a wee break there and stop this recording and come back and talk about a few other things that guys had sent in to me on Instagram. So that was um, Fairy Tale by Alexander Ryback. I think it won in 2009 or 2010 or something. It was a bit of a tune. Uh, and he played the fiddle. Fair play to him. Um, yeah, so that's just another wee Eurovision number um, to try and connect the dots of this rambling fucking diatribe. Um, yeah, I threw a wee question onto Twitter, not Twitter, Instagram earlier on. At McCoy's Nuri, add me. Um, I've only got 11.6 thousand followers not happy about it uh lee quinn has fucking 14 or 16 or 18 or something um so i want i want to get more so that i can be properly famous and i can become a blogger that's bullshit i'm joking i will never be a blogger um i don't have the i don't have i'm too lazy i am too i'm too lazy there's no doubt about it i am a lazy bastard um so yes, I said any any topics basically for the podcast, and we had actually somebody did message in, uh, yeah, on a screenshot because it was like a, a it was a DM PM DM, and I'm gonna grab it now. It was uh, again related to the man, the myth, Johnny Logan. Um, this is from Joanne. I'll not give out her full username. Um. Don't know why all my mess revision. I met Johnny Logan in the Carrickdale the year after my Holy Communion. My dad got my dress made shorter with a green bow and I had a green bow in my hair. Holy shit, I thought I was the bee's knees. Do you know what, Joanne? You sound like you were the bee's knees. And I'm sure Johnny Logan was fucking delighted um, to meet you. Little did he know that there was a wee girl in South Armagh that was fucking crying uh, because I didn't get his poster. So, you know... A tale of a tale of two cities, uh, two cities, one heart. <laughs> That's a private joke. Anyway, um, so what are we going to look at next? Let me see. Dun, dun, dun. I'm in love with a fairy tale. What a tune. Um, right. So somebody here, uh, Jenny, has said, uh, "Boring, but the need to be liked by people. It's something I struggle with, even if the person is a dick." I agree. I like being liked 
And, you know, sometimes I, not that I go out of my way, not as much as I used to. Um, I do sort of, I, I prefer to be liked than not liked. But I think we all do. Um, and it's human nature. But you shouldn't compromise who you are in order to please other people. Because you're never going to please everybody. And, you know, if you're not yourself, then you have an, you have an awful lot of work to do to um, to maintain what, you know, the, the you that you're presenting in order to be liked, if that is not the real you. So you're just, you're making a whole pile of work for yourself. Um, you should surround yourself with people that like you, whoever that is, even if you are weird, if you are different, if you like different things. Do you know what I mean? Life's too short to be let known to be something that you're not. So there you go. Um, and I suppose this sort of follows on. Uh, I, I have no idea, Mr. Smiley Man. Let's, let's have a look at your profile. Adam, he's Irish and he lives in London, presumably. Uh, I should probably follow you back. Um, he has said, would be really interested in hearing your experience of being gay in Yuri slash NI. It's grand. I haven't had any real um, adversity as such. Um, being a fruit has never impacted negatively on me in terms of um, getting a job or, you know, having... Not, I, I never had career progression. Um, yes, I started working in the bank behind the bar and um, I ended up running like sort of I don't know managing um so that you know being a like I was I couldn't want to use the word out because that implies that you are um out that you're noisy that you're a noisy gay and that everything you do is talk about you know gayness and gay things and being gay and all that I just didn't pretend that I wasn't gay does that make any sense and let's face it anybody that does know me knows that I, I get the, I get the crushes. I get the crushes on lads. Like there are some fellas that are very, very sexual um and, and very fit. And I, I I sometimes I would have a wee redner round a lad who is a wee bit fit. Uh, not very often, I have to admit. Now obviously Declan McChesney, but that's that's a fantasy. That is that is a, a total fantasy like um but there there are fellas now that uh no no they are now uh, that I, well, I wouldn't chance them, like, but you know what I mean. Um, so I, I haven't had any real, there's been nothing negative. Um, yes, did I get called a faggot and a queer and a lesbian? More times than I care to remember. It was one of the reasons that I didn't enjoy going to university. Um, like, there was a whole heap of other reasons, but um, that, when was I in university? When I say in university, that makes it sound like I was actually there and did something. I was there for six weeks and I come home again because I fucking hated it. But that was, what, 2001? So 20 years ago. And Belfast was not the nicest of places then. And I didn't really fit in. Um, and I didn't have the energy to fit in because I just didn't. Um, so it was easier just to sort of come home again. Um, I didn't really like going out because you'd have people like looking at you and very helpfully just... Like pointing at you and going, lesbian, you know, thank you. I know I've worked this out for myself, but thank you for, for highlighting it. You know, and it wasn't in a bad way. It was just like, ah, lesbian. And then they'd move on to somebody else, um, which is fine. But it just, it, it drew attention 
you know, it drew attention to me. It was it was embarrassing and stuff. Um, so but it was probably just drunken hijinks for somebody, but it was a wee bit embarrassing. But I don't think you can really like. I would I wouldn't identify myself as being a victim of you know homophobic abuse. You know, I was a victim of fucking lads being wankers when they're drunk. You know, um. So it hasn't it hasn't been too bad. Um, it's like it's pretty cool now. I mean, Colchie's love having a gay in the family. Uh, now because it's 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 cool. Um, obviously the marriage equality in the south and and such was a big moment for people uh, in Ireland. Um, I don't know. Um, what what was it? I'll have to go and look at the question again because I um I don't want to appear flippant. Uh, and yeah, experience. My experience has been grand. It has been like it's it's um it can be isolating in a way, but I mean, if you define yourself by what you do in the bedroom, well then you're boring. You know what I mean? Because being gay is just part of your personality. It's part of yes, it's part of who you are. It's a very important part of who you are in terms of your sexuality. But it doesn't define you, you know. I don't think anyway. Um, the things that you do, the way you behave, uh, the way you treat other people, the way you think about other people, um, those are the things that define who you are as a person. So, being a gay or being a fruit, I see. I can say that. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably leave myself open to somebody saying that's terrible. You can't use them words. Yes, I fucking can. I'm a fruit. Let's face it. Um, so that's that's my experience. It's a hundred percent. Um, it's grand. Um, bring back Bebo was said how to make Nuri slash Ni better. I have no idea. Like that's a whole. That's not even a podcast episode on its own. That's a series of podcasts and workshops and soul searching and counselling. That's what that is. Um, everything will get better in time. I think. Um, Northern Ireland is a weird little corner of the universe that is defined by its past and I think that until the past becomes the distant past um, it's going to be very difficult for people to come to terms with where they're at because of where they've been. God this is all very vague isn't it? I tell you what I'd make a deadly politician. Um, I don't think we have the maturity, the political maturity to come to terms with what has been going on for the last, right, okay, recent troubles, the last 50 years. Um, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of unresolved issues, there's a lot of injustice. And I think because it's all so fresh and it's all so raw, it's maybe a wee bit um, ambitious to think that we can just tie the past and the issues around it up into a neat little package. Um, because it's not that simple because you're dealing with people's emotions and you're dealing with loss and grief so part of me thinks that we should just draw a line under it and don't mention the war for about another 50 years and then we can go back and look at it but that doesn't help the people who are looking for justice and are, are looking for truth so yeah how to make Nuri better um I don't know <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Nuri's Nuri's a hundred percent. Everywhere's different and everywhere's the same. Um 
they could they could maybe dredge the canal a bit more often because sometimes it's like looking into a portal into another world of disgustingness and goo. Um, so maybe if they could do that, that'd be deadly. Or could they throw a drop of domestic into it? Yes, I know there's aquatic life and all, and there's ducks and all, but like I don't know, a wee drop of bleach wouldn't do any harm. I'm sure. Just to do it in the pool, like. Um. So there you go. That's how you make Nuri better. Claire, Clary Worry says mental health because it's Mental Health Week. What do you want to know, Claire? <laughs> um. Yeah, Mental Health Week. I've, I've seen a lot of posts online about what to do for Mental Health Week and about giving people compliments and all. Um, you know, day one, give someone in your family a compliment. Day two, make somebody a cup of tea. Doodle doodle do. It's not as simple as that. <laughs> but then maybe it is as simple as that. Um, mental health, I don't know. It's 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 a very, very touchy subject. It's also a very trendy subject. I find it's a wee bit, a wee bit too trendy sometimes. Um, and because, rightly so, it's it's more talked about now, that some people who don't truly understand it tend to adopt it to suit their own needs, if you know what I mean. Um, and obviously that's a very sweeping statement and it's, it's a minority thing. Um, but there are some people who rather than actually, you know, take ownership of a problem or, um, you know, get themselves into, into, into difficulties, you know, play, play the mental health card. And that's very unfair to people who do suffer from poor mental health or, you know, go through phases of poor mental health. It's, it's very unfair for someone to play on that. And then there are some people that do it um, and that pisses me off Um because then it it becomes the you know the eye roll. All oh, right, okay, yeah. Oh, is it your anxiety? Is it all right? Cool. Because I I had anxiety before it was cool. <laughs> um, like I like looking. It's only looking back now that I sort of realised. Well, like I've talked about it before on a an Instagram story, and you know what resonated with a lot of people because um I've never had any problem t- like saying like I would. I struggle with my mental health. <laughs> um, and that's just a very magazine-y sort of summation of a whole host of, of things that affect me from time to time. Um, I would tend to have a very negative um, inner monologue, which sounds like I don't have voices in my head. But I think, you know, you see, there was a, a study or something done a while back of people who think their thoughts, they, 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 how do I explain this? That there are some people that, that can literally can have a conversation with themselves in their head. And then there are people that can't do that. So hit me up on this one. Are you, which, which person are you? Can you have a conversation in your head as in, you know, a narrative, a running sort of monologue in your head? I think I said inner dialogue minute ago but I met in her monologue um and I would have that uh where like I can be doing the most menial of tasks the most repetitive of tasks um you know physically so that could be making coffee or um chopping chopping I always found when I was dicing fucking onions or making coleslaw or something like that that my hands were moving the knife was moving 
everything was moving but I wasn't consciously aware of it if you know what I mean it was just an auto an autopilot thing and the thing that was taking up most of my energy and most of my concentration was actually what I was thinking about in my head and the proof of that was when I took the fucking finger of myself with the Santaku knife Dyson peppers so I was not concentrating at all I was having a, a full tilt conversation with myself in my head about god only knows what um and I think people that have that ability maybe are more inclined to suffer from poor mental health because depending on you know whatever way your chemicals are going um that inner monologue for me anyway can turn quite nasty and instead of you know being a you know being rational um whenever a problem comes up then because I've spent very silently and very quietly the last whatever length of time now sometimes this can go on for days you know where you know you just like it's easy just to sort of to dumb it down it's like we voice saying this is shit you're shit what are you doing you're a loser you're fat you're useless you can't do that you can't do this blah 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 blah, blah. right and it is like a wee voice in your head and it affects everything then that happens you it will it affects how you handle external problems so if I dropped, if I'm if I'm in that frame of mind, right, and I drop a cup and break it, right, instead of saying, right, I dropped the cup, big deal, clean it up, throw it away, I go, fucking, why did I do that? How did I do that? How am I so stupid that I broke that cup? You know, and I compare myself to other people and say they wouldn't do that. Like, how can I be so stupid or or forgetting things? That's a massive problem I have. I mislay things all the time because I'm not concentrating. Like people always say to me, why do you put the ticket on the the whenever I'm, the parking ticket thing? Why why do you put the parking tickets on the outside of the car? It's because whenever I come into work at whatever time that is, and, it, and back in the day it used to be quite early, say half six in the morning, I would have been in first thing, and I would have parked up, locked the car, fired the keys somewhere, because I had a thousand and one other things to do, and I didn't give a fuck where those keys went because it was more important to me to do the things that I needed to do. And then when it would come nine o'clock, somebody would say, oh, there's the traffic wardens out. I'd go, shit, I couldn't find my keys. So I had to get the ticket on the car. So I put it on the outside of the car because I couldn't find the keys to let me into the car to put it on the inside. Um, And then, because I learned then when I'd be looking for the keys, I'd say, why can I not remember to do this? This happens to me all the time. When are you going to learn, Leanne? Why are you so fucking stupid? Um, And that's hugely damaging um and you have to it takes a wee bit of um you know not know how but you have to sort of practice putting a pin in that when you find yourself starting to talk that way to yourself and about yourself you have to say how long a minute here wise up this is fucking ridiculous you know way to you wouldn't you wouldn't say those things to another person so why would you say them to yourself right and i can sit here now very rationally and say that because it makes perfect sense. But in that moment, when all those things come at you and your default setting is to fucking hate yourself, then you will beat yourself up about ridiculous things that are completely inconsequential and that have no bearing on who you are, what you are, and and what you have to give. So um, that would be my personal sort of thing the first time 
like I've had problems when I was about 14 and um, not not to go into the background of it all but whenever I was going to school I would I would feel sick on the bus so physically I feel physically sick to the point where I'd have to get off and phone my ma and be like ma I wasn't well can you give me a lift to school right and this went on for a long time and eventually to the point where I had to go to the doctor uh, to find out what was causing this nausea right because I can laugh about it now because it's funny like it, it wasn't funny at the time and it's, it's not funny like but um I went to see the doctor and he was like well you know blah 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 physical end of things are you pregnant at the age of 14 I was like you know I'm not doctor but we'll have that conversation in a few years um and he 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 basically asked me how things were you know how how are things as in in life at home blah 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 and then I was just like <laughs> so um after much crying uh he was like do you know what um you have anxiety and well he didn't say that but he says you, you know basically what's going on in your head is having this physical effect and that's where it's, it's hitting you is in the tummy so it was a case of right we're going to get you to go to counselling but 20 plus years what was was that 14 so nearly 25 years ago um my gp said you know what you know let's get you you know having a wee chat with a counsellor blah, blah 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 and for one reason or another i didn't attend that session uh, or any sessions at that stage because i think there was a fear from a family perspective that you know speaking to someone about mental health and that being on your sort of medical records would be a bad thing in terms of getting employment or whatever and because there was that stigma involved and attached to um mental health and it, like even the term mental health wasn't a term then you know uh, so it didn't and I, I sort of wish now looking back that I had went and maybe tackled those problems um earlier on in life because they just not that they snowballed but I mean they were always there and if you, if you don't acknowledge something um and deal with it at the time then it can it's not going to get better it's not going to go away on its own um and yeah so that that just continued on so around the time of university had a bit of a breakdown <laughs> I lived in a sheet for uh, two or three days in the halls because I was hugely um lonely didn't enjoy the whole Belfast thing um didn't really want to be there but I mean that was it was the dumb thing we've talked before about how I sent my UCAS form away with a 50p attached look because didn't have a stamp um and like looking back I didn't I didn't want to go to Queens I wanted to go to um Lancashire to do criminology but I didn't have the balls because I'd have been going on my own and you know so obviously that's a, a a recurring theme um so yeah I lived in a sheet for a couple of days um vomiting basically which is very attractive uh, just through sheer panic and anxiety of not wanting to be there being afraid to drop out been afraid to tell my man da because they both put you know a lot of time a lot of money into fucking relocating their one and only child down to Belfast to start a glorious third level education um, so that wasn't good so I ended up back at the doctor at that time and he prescribed me for the first time with um 
antidepressants, which at the time I think was, fuck, I can't remember, Effexor, I think it was called, um, which was a waste of time because I couldn't keep them down um, because that's how acute the booking was. It was quite a book fest for quite a while and God bless the girls um, that are on about with at the university because I'm sure they were like, what the fuck is McCooey still? They used to call it, what was it, the blanket of Grimm? It was a grey blanket. And like obviously I had like jammies on or something underneath it, but I looked like a very fat Bobby Sands. Uh, God forgive me, that's not right. Um, but yeah, so fair play to them for having to to witness that, which was fucking terrible. Um, so again, it just went on, and on, and on, and to the point where, like every couple of years, there's like a cycle of get into bad form, get into really bad form, have some kind of a you know, no, I don't want to say a breakdown because that's not right. Um, I think I've only ever had two proper breakdowns and one of them would have been uni and just slightly after uni as well. Um, and the other one would have been in 2015, I think it was, 2016, where I cried for an entire Christmas uncontrollably and said to myself, do you know what? Fuck this. I have to go to the doctor. And I'd been to the doctor before and I'd, you know, they had said, listen, you know, why don't we, we're going to give you something to lift you in terms of medication. I was like, no, I don't want tablets because that's a fucking shit show. Um, because I was very aware of the fact that, you know, they have side effects that, you know, they can make you irritable or you can have problems sleeping or whatever. And I didn't want to go down that route. Um, more so for the people that were around me because I didn't, I was already irritable enough and I didn't want to become any more irritable. But just at that that Christmas, that weepy Christmas, uh, I went to the doctor on the 30th of December and I was like, do you know what? Just do it. Whatever. And he was very cool and he went, he was very um it wasn't a big deal. He just said, Right, listen, you are low on serotonin and therefore you need a wee jag of serotonin in you, and this is what these tablets do. So it was citalopram that was initially um prescribed and it did the help massively um just let you breathe a wee bit more you don't you know you didn't have that impending cloud of doom over you or the black dog or whatever you want to call it um it just sort of lightened things a wee bit so for anybody that's having problems or can identify with anything that I've been blathering about um don't be afraid to go and see your GP because at the end of the day um you know if you look at it um, very sort of black and white you know it is a chemical thing and you know if you were deficient in a vitamin you would take the vitamin they're, they're all going on about vitamin D Irish people don't get enough vitamin D because of the lack of sunlight so therefore you take a supplement um, vitamin C for healing you know you need to take more vitamin C if you're not getting enough in your diet to take a supplement um, and it's probably a good idea to look at antidepressants in that way um they're not a cure-all by any matter of means they are something that will physically enable you to take the steps that you need to resolve whatever situations you may have going on and that's where you get into talking therapies um again that's something that your gp can put you in touch with um through the health service uh, or i found that I had a better experience through PIPs than I did with um, mental health in Daisy Hill. Um, even though like 
don't get me wrong, the, the, the people that I spoke to in Daisy Hill were fantastic. Um, but I managed to talk myself out of it. As in, I felt that I was taking, you know, an appointment away from somebody who's in crisis. Somebody that's that's really depressed. Not somebody that's just a bit depressed. But I'm chronically depressed. So, um, yeah. So anyway, never mind. So that's when, that's what brought me to Pips then. And I had eight weeks, uh, you know, eight weeks with them. And they were fantastic. And if there's ever a charity that you should consider supporting, obviously all charities you should consider supporting. But Pips is very, very does a lot of good, good, good work, um, in and around Newry local area mental health, um, uh, CBT. You know, there's there's they do a lot more than just counselling somebody who thinks they're going to kill themselves, right? Um, which is a real thing. And I yes, I would say that I. Am suicidal, um, a lot. I don't know that suicides. A, it's not just an event, you know, um. But you have to sort of remove yourself away from that and look at it objectively. But anyway, um, yes, definitely, Pips is the way to go for mental health, and you should never be afraid of going to your GP and having a chat because that's where you can start to make things better, um. Yeah, so there you go. That's mental health covered. Um, I think I'm going to stop talking now because I'm into my second half hour and it's just about to elapse. Uh, Lena Lou said school days anecdotes. That's a whole entire different podcast. Um, so that's it. Thank you very much for listening again. Um, I don't know how these solo podcasts are going for you. Um, if you like them, tell me. If you don't like them, tell me. I'm open to all criticism. Uh, hopefully I'm going to have an actual proper live guest at some stage um, thank you to Declan for contributing his room 101 hopefully Emer Maguire um, Emer is a she well Emer does fucking everything but she is to me she's a comedian uh, and a very talented and a very funny one at that um, you may have come across her during the whole lockdown uh, homeschooling learning thing because she does uh, I think Radio Wolster thing um science for kids and does very well um she's a she's a wee science wee science essential patronizing she's a science buff and she's very fucking funny so hopefully we'll have um a room 101 with Amer. Uh, i tried to get andy malone but he didn't reply to my um my voice note so fuck him um if there's anybody else you can think of let me know follow me on the socials at mccoy's Nuri on facebook on instagram and yeah hit me up for the crack at any time thank you for listening and i'll see you whenever <laughs>